Hello and welcome to the Refuge Church Podcast, where we long to see the lost saved, the saved transformed, and the transformed sent. For more information on how you can be a part of Refuge Church, join us on Sunday mornings in Jacksonville at 9 a.m. or 10.30 a.m. or visit our website at refugejackschurch.com. In this week's podcast, we are continuing our sermon series through Luke. Thank you for listening. Good morning. Refuge Church. Good morning, Refuge Church. Good morning. Good to be with you. I am excited about being here this morning, and I am asking for your prayers that the Lord would speak through me to you. Thank you, Stephen, and the worship band for the the, uh, amazing worship that we've just gone through. Thank you for the prayer. Um, I want to jump right in. Normally, I would read some passages to kind of get us kicked off, but there's so much to cover, and I want to be efficient in my time, and I want to be able to cover it as well. Um, But so I want to raise a question, and the question is, through a topic, what should we do after we believe? We just came through an amazing Easter Sunday morning under the tent. And Pastor Josh did a phenomenal job with challenging us through his message when he shared and he said, it's really easy to like Jesus, but not really know him or believe in him. He, he said, liking Jesus is not the same as knowing Jesus and believing in Jesus. And like the disciples of our text, and for so many other people, this is where they live. This is their comfort zone. Never truly believing in him or placing faith fully in him. I want to call your attention to Luke 24, Luke 24, beginning at verse number 13, Luke 24, beginning at verse number 13. And and, and so today, as you turn to the passage, I'd like to pick up from where Pastor Jay left off to discuss what should we do after we believe. I believe as a response to the gospel message penetrating our own hearts, ultimately we have one job to do. And that is to tell others about Jesus. Let Jesus live through our lives. Our main responsibility as Christ followers is to share the gospel with everyone we come in contact with. I believe he wants us to be a witness. I believe he wants us to be visible. I believe we need to be vocal. I believe we need to be available. I believe that we should live out loud for Christ. I'd like to take you on a journey this morning through the text to simply point out truth that stood out to me as God prepared me, as he And I prepared this word as I studied in preparation for this message. 
I want to show you how the text unfolded to me and to set the backdrop of what we're getting ready to study together. I'd like to do an overview fairly quickly to show that there's a message within the message of these verses. Here's my challenge to you. Later today, this evening, tomorrow, you're sitting on your back porch and you have your favorite coffee, sugar or no sugar, don't matter. Either tonight or tomorrow, I want you to read these verses, but pray first. And I want you to see what God showed me. I want you to see, I want you to really visualize what the Lord gave me through this passage of scripture. And the message, I believe, that sticks out like a sore thumb is that we all struggle to believe the gospel on a daily basis without the constant reading and reminder of the scripture. I believe there's this tendency to see our salvation and or our belief in Christ as an event with a period behind it. Instead of seeing it as a lifestyle and as a journey with Christ. You see, some people get saved and go right back to the old life they once lived. The Bible says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. So here's the disciples of Christ. All throughout these verses, verses 13 through 53, being reminded and nudged very patiently and lovingly, I might add, by our Lord and Savior to remember what he had previously taught them and told them. Which also says we too can find ourselves in the same position as we go through our day-to-day -day lives, tending to our affairs. In essence, we are the disciples of the text this morning. Hear me. Don't see it as them then and us now. Mm -mm. We are the exact same disciples of the text this morning. I believe there's some wonderful lessons to learn and some truth to discover as we read through the text together. We begin in verse number 13. Uh, here's what the Bible says, verse 13 through 20. The Bible tells us very, very clearly that very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all the things that had happened. And while they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, what is this conversation that you are holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still looking sad. Then one of them named Cleopas answered him, are you the only visitor in Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened in these days? 
And he said to them, what things? And they said to him concerning Jesus of Nazareth. Now, I want you to visualize, I want you to picture that these two men are walking and discussing what they had just witnessed. And Jesus walked up behind them who they don't recognize. Now, this is also a great reminder that Jesus draws near when you start a conversation about him. Jesus begins to question them about their conversation. And these two disciples who seem to be perplexed about all that has happened over the weekend in Jerusalem, and they stop immediately in their tracks, looking discouraged, and they question Jesus to ask, where have you been to miss all the action? How could you not know what took place? Verse 19, when Jesus asked what things, these guys proceeded to explain who Jesus of Nazareth was to Jesus himself. You got to see the humor in that. They start to explain what happened to the one it happened to. He had been at the heart of all that went on in Jerusalem. And now he was asking them to tell him what occurred. How patient our Lord is with us as he listens to us tell him all what he already knows. This is indicative of a really good prayer life. How often do we take our prayers to the Lord and asking him for things and sharing our heart and making sure we pour everything out? But he already knows what it is that we have need of before we even ask. In verse number 21, the Bible tells us very, very clearly it reads, but we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and beside all this, it is now the third day since these things happened. You can hear the disbelief dripping off these verses. Moreover, some women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning, and they did not find his body. They came back saying that, they had even seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went back to the tomb and found it just as the women had said. But him they did not see. Wow. Wow. In these verses, we hear major undertones of unbelief. The longer Cleopas talked, the more he indicted himself and his friend for their unbelief. How wonderful it is that the one they couldn't find was there walking right beside them. I mean, what more evidence could they want? Witnesses had seen the tomb empty, including the apostles. Angels had announced that Jesus was alive. Witnesses had seen him alive and heard him speak. The proof was there. But the real problem was not in their heads, but it was in their hearts. In verse 25, look at what the text says to us. In verse number 25, and he said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it? Not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory. And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning 
himself. Now we see a sidewalk Bible study taking place. Jesus began to teach the word. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. But what was their basic problem? They did not believe all that the prophets had written about the Messiah. That was the problem with most of the Jews in that day. They saw the Messiah as a conquering redeemer, but they did not see him as suffering servant. They saw the glory, but not the suffering. They saw the crown, but not the cross. This explains why Jesus opened the word to these two men as the three of them walked to Emmaus. The key to understanding the Bible is to see Jesus Christ on every page. He did not teach them only doctrine or prophecy. He taught them the things concerning himself. In verse number 28 through 32, read them with me if you will. So they drew near to the village to which they were going. He acted as if he were going on farther. But they urged him strongly, saying, stay with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is now far spent. So he went in to stay with them. And when he was at the table with them, he took the bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were open, and they recognized him. Now, this is amazing. Here's Jesus. I want you to take notice of this. Here's Jesus. The guest has now become the host. They invited him in and he fed them. These men had talked to Jesus and listened to Jesus. And when he made as though he was going to go on alone, they asked Jesus to come home with them. Can't you see it? Here's these two these three people walking, and, 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 and one kind of keeps his pace, and, and, and he's going to just keep on going. And they're saying, no, 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 you, you, you can't go any farther. Man, it's, it's dark out here. It's, it's nighttime. There's nothing but thieves and robbers out at this time, and your feet must be tired. We just walked seven miles. I know you're hungry. You got to come on in. And, and, and here they are. They're persuading him to come, but when they get inside, he's the one that breaks bread and prays over it. And, and blesses them with it. I love that. They have been won by the word of God. And they did not even know who the stranger was. All they knew was that their hearts were burning within them. And they wanted the blessing to last. You see, the more we receive the word of God, the more we will want to fellowship with the God of the word. Jesus opened the scriptures to them, and then he opened their eyes so that they could recognize him. Now they knew for themselves that Jesus was alive. They had the evidence of the tomb. They had the angels. They had the witnesses, the scriptures, and now their very own personal experience with the Lord. Refuse Church, you really won't be able to know the full weight of what Jesus did at Calvary until you have a personal experience with him. You won't know until you and the Lord sit quietly and, and allow the presence of his Holy Spirit to speak to your heart. It's, when, it's at that moment that you get set on fire 
It's when the passion of the Lord stirs you and you start seeing lost people's faces come before you and you, you start to visualize what a person's life could look like if I just start praying for them. And when you start to see and experience that, you'll find yourself wanting to do it more and more and more and more. The fact that Jesus vanished did not mean that he had abandoned them. For he was with them even though they could not see him. They, he, he was in their hearts now. And, and, and they would see him again. Verses 33 through 35. Read them with me if you will. In verse 33. And they rose that same hour. Now they were just trying to keep Jesus from, 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 from walking. And then in that same hour they turn around and get back on the road to go back to Jerusalem. And, and they returned to Jerusalem, and they found the eleven and those who were with them gathered together, saying, The Lord has risen indeed, and he has appeared to Simon. And, and, and they told him what had happened on the road. Then they began to tell their story, how he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. And, and, and they were talking about these things. Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace be to you. Here these two men immediately left Emmaus and returned to Jerusalem to tell the believers that they had met Jesus. But when they arrived, here's the apostles and the others who, who are there telling their story about, you know, him appearing to Peter. What a difference it would make in our worship gatherings here at Refuge if everybody came to tell about meeting the living Christ. How powerful would our services be? And in verses 36 through 43, we're just going to read these. I'm going to kind of, uh, kind of move a little bit through this last part. It says, and as they were talking about these things, Jesus himself stood among them and said, peace be to you. But they were startled and frightened and thought they saw a spirit. And he said to them, why are you troubled? And why do doubts arise in your hearts? I believe he's still saying that today. See my hands and my feet, that, that it is I myself. Touch me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones, as you see that I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And, and while they still disbelieved, this is amazing to me. For joy and were marveling. He said to them, have you anything to eat? What a question. The Bible says that they gave him a piece of broiled fish. Now, in my mind, I see pecan-crusted salmon. I just believe Jesus was a salmon kind of guy. And, and I'm, as I'm thinking about it, the, the, the beauty is that he took the fish and he ate it before them. And, and then he said to them, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. And you know what that tells us when we get through these verses is that we have got to be a witness. When you look at verses 44 through 49, as, as he already began to open up, it says, Then he opened their minds. He opened their minds to understand the scriptures. How powerful is that? 
And, and he said to them, thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead. And that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed. You know what that tells us? That we need to be a witness. You see, a witness is somebody who simply, you know, sincerely tells what has, what has been seen and heard. As Christians, we're not, a, we're not judges or prosecuting attorneys uh, sent to condemn the world. We are witnesses who point to Jesus Christ. And tell lost sinners how to be saved. The mission is for all people to know who Jesus is. Jesus is the Alpha and the Omega. He's all that matters. When he's not all that matters, the mission doesn't matter. When you look at verse number 45, it says that this is the mission that all believers are called to. Then he opened their minds to the scriptures. I would argue this verse should remind you and I that we are without excuse. If we are in Christ, the Holy Spirit dwells within us. If that's true, we can understand scripture. God desires to speak to us through scripture. So if I never read the Bible, I will miss the calling of God on my life. I will miss my role in the mission. This is how he speaks to us, church, through his word. Verse 46 reminds us, it's a, it's a, he's telling us to remember it was written. Christ would suffer, and on the third day, he would rise. Jesus is reminding his disciples of what he had said and what the scripture said. Verse 47 that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. Repentance and forgiveness should be proclaimed. It begins within our own hearts first. What is the mission? The mission is repentance and forgiveness proclaimed in Jesus' name to all the earth. But why? All Christians are called to live lives that proclaim the gospel, that lead to repentance and forgiveness of others. Verse 48, you are witnesses of these things, he tells the disciples. Witnessing is not something that we do for the Lord. It is something that he does through us. Hear me. If we are filled with the Holy Spirit, you and I are the witnesses of what it looks like to believe the gospel. You and I are witnesses of what the gospel looks like. You and I are witnesses to why repentance and forgiveness are good things. Our life and our lifestyle is a witness to these things. May I ask you a question this morning? Does your life and lifestyle reflect someone who has witnessed the saving power of Jesus? What is the mission? I believe the mission is your story. I believe every one of us has a story to tell. I know I have a story. You see, I remember those nights that I was out of the house and, and, and out chasing drugs and alcohol. I remember what it was like to, to stay out all night and, and come in early, early, super in the morning. You know, of many of those nights... I would come in, and I would come in, and, and, and I would have to open the, the little window at the back door just very gently and reach in and open the knob to, to let myself in. Still dark, 
And, and, and as I was making my way back to my, my little bedroom, I remember tripping over my mom's feet as she was praying for her son to come home. And, and as I, I started thinking about it this morning, it, 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 was, it was a powerful moment this morning. My mom is 94 years old, and I got a chance this morning to sit on her bedside and pray with her. And, 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 if, and to know that she is the one who led me to Christ. And she's the one who prayed for me. And now I get a chance, a special moment to pray with her and for her. You see, God has a way that's mighty sweet. And, and when we know our story, when you can tell your story, no one can refute your story. Your story is your own. And all you're doing is telling how Jesus saved you. See, people don't, they, they can't question you. They can't argue with you. All you're saying is God Thank you for a testimony. Thank you for a story. And when you share your story, it makes a difference. People love to hear the story of a changed life. Will you tell your story? That's what he wants us to do. We, we have to be on mission. He wants us to tell our story. Jesus, in verse 49, Jesus is telling the disciples to wait a little longer, but to anticipate the call to go to take the gospel to the nations. J.D. Greer from Summit Church, he talks a lot about putting your yes on the table and letting God put you on the map. And my question again is, is your yes on the table? Is, is your yes on the table? Have you given the Lord your yes to the point that you will say, God, send me, I'll go. Wherever you want me to go, God, I will not fight against you. Send me, Lord, I will go. That has to be our message. We have to put our yes on the table. When you look at verses 53, drop down to 50, 50 verse 50, it says, Then he led them out as far as Bethany, and lifting up his hands, he blessed them. While he blessed them, he parted from them and was carried up into heaven, and they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple blessing God. Jesus ascends into heaven to claim his rightful spot of glory. They worshiped and returned with great joy. Worship and joy are most evident in obedience to the mission. They were continually in the temple blessing God. The only response to what they had witnessed Jesus accomplish was praise. The only response for you and I that know Christ's saving power is to get on mission. He, we need to be visible. We need to be vocal. We need to be available for Christ to use you to share the gospel in Jesus' name. That's what we're supposed to do. That's mission. That's our role. We need to get excited and passionate about the things of God. Each one of us is right here in this text. And we've got to find ourselves stirred and moved to action as God is calling us to, to put our yes on the table, to tell people our story. One at a time. One soul at a time. One life at a time. One invite. One invite. Somebody's one invite away from spending eternity with Jesus. Will you be the one to do the invitation.
Let's pray. Father, thank you for allowing your word to come forth. Thank you for using me to your glory. God, I pray for all those who are under the sound of my voice to be charged, to be challenged, to be motivated, to be excited. I pray, God, that you would inspire them and challenge them to move into mission, to share the gospel, to invite a friend, to invite a neighbor, to invite a family member. God, we need you and we love you and we thank you for this day. It's in Jesus' name we come. And all who love his name said amen. Thank you for tuning in to the Refuge Church Podcast. For more sermons or to learn how you can give to Refuge, check out our website at refugejackschurch.com. For those who have heard the gospel and believe the gospel, go out living the gospel. You are sent.